This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Last week, we had a caller call in and tell us about cops shooting a protester in the head in Austin, Texas. It was a brutal shooting with so-called less lethal ammunition. Local media has finally done some reporting on this. He's 22 years old. His name is Justin Howell. He's not dead, but he suffered severe head trauma and will likely never be the same. His brother Josh said, quote, doctors anticipate that when he wakes up, he will have difficulty telling his left from his right. And there are stories like this all up and down the country. We're seeing uh, horrific injuries like this from the police response to protests. Just another reason to defund the police. Yeah, and the uh, caller who called in to the show last week to tell us this story, uh, I noticed had called in after that episode had aired to say that actually the individual did not die, but was seriously injured. Um, So... uh, I would say that that's good news that the person isn't dead, but obviously in our hell times, uh, this person is is permanently injured, most likely because of the actions taken by police. And as you mentioned, uh, during this two-week-long now police riot, and it's still ongoing based on the scenes we saw out of Seattle on Sunday night, you know, we had thought that cops around the country had learned the lesson that if you allow people to peacefully gather and you don't shoot chemical weapons and rubber bullets into them then there won't really be any looting and we've seen police sort of back off in a lot of cities around the country except new york where they're just the nypd are just fucking maniacs um but in seattle we once again saw the police deploy tear gas into peaceful crowds this during a uh, supposed 30-day suspension of using tear gas that lasted like four days uh, before they uh, shot all the tear gas into the crowd. Um, but we're seeing during this police riot people being maimed for life, losing eyes. Um, and I guess the, the promising thing is it hasn't prevented the crowds from growing. This weekend saw some of the biggest protests, some of the biggest gatherings yet in response to uh systemic racism, police brutality, and just the concept now of policing in the U.S. I mean, this was obviously started in response to the heinous murder of George Floyd. But the way the police have reacted to the demonstrations, the issue has grown to mean something so much more than just responding to systemic racism within the police. It's also trying to tackle the concept of how policing works in our society in general. Yeah, I uh I finally made it downtown this weekend and it it was something else. Yeah, yeah. I when I was down there I was I was taken back by uh all the graffiti which whipped. <laughs> uh I I hope it stays up when this is all over. Um but yeah, the the crowds were uh, excellent and like just the displays of um and I noticed uh, Izzy Breen commenting on this because he lives near where George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. 
how like there's a zone around the memorial there that explicitly says you're not allowed to sell anything here. Um, this is a hallowed ground. And sort of related, you, you see people just giving away stuff all around Washington, D.C., water bottles, masks, snacks. Um, it's really great how in these times of, of, of uprising and demonstration, um, people really manifest these alternate non-capitalist ideals. Yeah, it, it does have a whiff of commune about it. And folks, you absolutely love to see it. You do. All right. It's Monday, June 8th, 2020. Here's the news. Protesters all around the country have been calling for their leaders to take away the billions that we spend on police departments. The Democratic Party has heard that call to defund the police, and today it responded, ha ha, not a chance. Of course, the party is still attempting to co-opt the movement, as many of you probably saw firsthand over the past few days. Here in D.C., Mayor Muriel Bowser painted Black Lives Matter on 16th Street and named the nearby intersection Black Lives Matter Plaza. Weeks beforehand, she proposed giving police a 3% budget increase while pushing cuts to city programs almost entirely across the board. Today, Democrats in Congress made their co-option move they unveil the legislative package, which they describe as sweeping. It makes zero attempts to address calls from Black Lives Matter protesters to defund police departments. Lawmakers presenting the bill today wore kente cloth, which was fine for members of the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus. It looked ridiculous seeing Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and Steny Hoyer wearing it. Yeah, and they all took a knee. <laughs> Um, there's a, there's a pretty funny video of them all taking, they took a knee for like almost nine minutes. Uh, all the, all the, everybody taking a knee except, uh, Congressman Nadler, who, uh, I'm guessing is probably not capable of taking a knee. Um, but he, he was just as tall as everybody else who was kneeling. <laughs> anyway, the I legislation is called. People want to check it out. I tweeted out the picture. <laughs> We'll be sure. Be sure to uh, go to at Sam Sachs slash Twitter dot com or whatever it is. Anyway, the legislation is called the Justice and Policing Act. Its reforms are mostly legal, which isn't completely insubstantial. But good luck getting relief from a legal system built on cop veneration. The bill would end qualified immunity, making it easier for people to sue abusive cops. That money will almost certainly come from city budgets, not police departments. It also seeks to change the legal standard to prosecute police for criminal conduct. It would also ban things that are already banned by many police departments, like chokeholds and racial profiling. The legislation would also seek to tie DOJ grant eligibility to the establishment of independent prosecutors for deadly use of force incidents. At a press conference, Congressional Black Caucus co-chair Karen Bass was asked about the call from Black Lives Matter activists to defund police departments. Here was part of her response. Two, two things very quickly. One, the bill does not provide any new money for policing. And two, there is a provision in the bill for grants to communities to have projects that begin to re-envision what policing might be, by, might be about in a particular neighborhood. 
Conveniently, there's no dollar amount in the section of the legislation that lays out grants for alternatives, Section 366. Also, a lot of the bill is written to give the Attorney General discretion, which doesn't exactly spark confidence given prosecutors' attitude toward cops. Anyway, Bass and Speaker Pelosi noted that most police funding is controlled at the local level, as if the federal government can't force local governments from doing things. I would think, for example, maybe a proposal to cap a city's budget in terms of how much they're allowed to spend on cops, that might be something that uh, they could do in Congress as a, as a first step or as a uh, recognition of the growing movement to defund the police. But no, I mean, they didn't even try. And Well, you could maybe, also... I mean, maybe, maybe they can't do that. Maybe... Um, a lawyer wants to call into the rant line and 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 own me about con law, which I guess if you uh, learned about constitutional law, that's a bit of a self own. Uh, but I think I a know. lot of I, these, a lot of states and cities and departments receive tons of federal aid money, and you could pretty easily tie that federal aid money to certain conditions related they, to their and, budgets. And some of that is going on in the legislation, but. Even so, I believe the uh, federal aid money, it only amounts to um, not that much of the overall budget. Yeah. I think it's I, like $3 billion of the um, overall, sorry, the federal government spends $3 billion in grants to local uh, police. And an analysis from Bloomberg published last week found the United States government spends 100, or not, excuse me, not the United States government but rather there is $115 billion worth of spending on policing in the United States. So if U.S. policing was its own economy, it would be the 61st largest in the world. Uh, the federal government directly only accounts for a small slice of that, but obviously the federal government has power and congressional Democrats need to understand that the amount of money we're spending on cops uh, is completely unacceptable to a growing number of people. Yeah, I suppose the dynamic of how the federal government helps or the aid it gives to police departments doesn't quite create the sort of carrots approach to reform those departments because it's kind of like, hey, if you don't if you don't disband your police department, we won't give you military weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I can easily see as well a lot of jurisdictions just saying, you know what, we're actually going to forego whatever grants uh, you're going to give us because we don't actually want to appoint an independent prosecutor to go after cops. So fuck you and uh, keep your, you know, whatever you were going to give us, which doesn't amount to much. Anyway, there will be more on this legislation to come in the next days and weeks. On Wednesday, the House Judiciary Committee will convene to discuss the proposal. As far as the community reinvestment part of defunding the police is concerned, Speaker Pelosi called for the Senate to pass the House Democrats' latest coronavirus bill, which does things like it has some good things, uh, but it, a lot of it is sketchy as hell, like bailing out landlords and debt collectors and restoring tax deductions for some of the richest people in the country, the state and local tax deduction. But never fear, the Speaker had another bullet in her chamber. Here she was today. 
And then following that, Mr. Hoyer has on the schedule that before 4th of July, hopefully, we will pass the Affordable Care Act Stabilization Act. Ah, yes. Nothing says you understand how the country is falling apart like Affordable Care Act Stabilization Act. It's good shit. Uh, one major silver lining is that not all Democrats seem determined to indefinitely lick cop boots. On Sunday, the Minneapolis City Council obtained a veto-proof majority to disband the Minneapolis PD. News of the whip count came the day after Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey refused to support defunding the police department at a rally held by the Black Visions Collective. Frey was serenaded with chants of Go home, Jacob, go home. And the go crowd home. parted for him. Go like home, a Jacob, red go scene. home. Go home, Jacob, go home. Go Frey home, left Jacob, go home. It's honestly, it's an incredible video. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet. In regard to dismantling the police, City Council President Lisa Bender said, quote, our efforts at incremental reform have failed, period. Council Member Jeremiah Ellison, son of Minnesota AG Keith Ellison, said, quote, we are going to dramatically rethink how we approach public safety and emergency response. It's really past due. As the website The Appeal noted, 44% of murders and 78% of rapes go unsolved by Minneapolis cops. In news unrelated to the ongoing uprising, but is justification for an uprising by itself, meatpacking plants, already a hot spot for COVID-19, are now seeing viral spikes after the Trump administration ordered them to continue production back in April. According to the Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting, the number of COVID cases at meatpacking facilities has grown 100% since April 28th. That's when Trump signed an executive order mandating facilities remain open and providing liability protection to bosses. The coronavirus has the coronavirus has now been detected at more than 200 plants in 33 states. At least 20,400 workers have been infected on the job. As many as 74 have died. Who knows how many have contracted the virus secondhand and died from it. According to USA Today, meatpacking plants have become vectors for COVID-19, fueling surges in small cities. Reading from their report, quote, Across the United States, some of the highest spikes in coronavirus cases recently occurred in counties with one or more meatpacking plants, Buena Vista County in Iowa, Beetle County in South Dakota, Yale County in Arkansas, and Titus County in Texas, for example, all saw their case counts more than double in the past two weeks. And a new report out of Kansas this weekend found that the Tyson Foods meatpacking plant near Garden City in the state was the second highest source of coronavirus outbreaks in all of Kansas. The facility accounted for 576 of the state's more than 10,000 cases, the number one source for the virus was a prison, the Lansing Correctional Facility, where 846 cases were reported. Finally today, at the end of last week, President Trump signed an executive order that would strip several layers of environmental oversight of infrastructure projects. The administration cited the ongoing national emergency related to the pandemic as justification to direct federal agencies to waive environmental law provisions that allow for things like public comments and impact studies before projects are approved. The order, environmental groups warn, could see not just roads and bridges, but also dirty fossil fuel infrastructure fast-tracked for approval, regardless of the destruction they can cause to nearby ecosystems and communities, 
Some projects could last as long as 50 years. Trump claimed that, quote, unnecessary regulation delays will deny our citizens opportunities for jobs and economic security, keeping millions of Americans out of work and hindering our economic recovery from the national emergency, end quote. The order was applauded by groups like the National Mining Association. That should tell you something. Meanwhile, environmental groups have promised to take it to the courts. Now, this isn't the first time the administration has invoked emergency powers to decimate environmental protection statutes. The Department of Homeland Security was given similar directives to waive impact studies while constructing portions of the southern border wall. Trump claimed the existence of an immigration emergency, which he also used as justification to dispatch the U.S. military to the border. That's in addition to the roughly 100 environmental regulations that the administration has already scrapped or is in the process of scrapping related to things like clean air and water, all of that being done through the uh, regular regulatory order. Also at the onset of the coronavirus pandemic, let's not forget the Environmental Protection Agency, which is run by a former coal lobbyist, Andrew Wheeler, announced a drastic rollback in its enforcement of environmental law. On Monday, the House Judiciary Committee called for a hearing into Trump's latest executive order. The shock doctrine is not an instruction manual. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it for the newscast today. That music means it's time for the poetry portion of the show where we read haiku for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. This first one goes out to Daniel. Cops love wearing masks, except for a pandemic. They just love to kill. Thank you, Daniel. This is for Tim. What if the police had tax cuts for yoga, said the gormless lib. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. This one is for Tiberius Gracchus. Some say the U.S. will fall like Rome, but really, it will be much worse. Thank you, Tiberius Gracchus. Finally, this is for Harvey. If nothing changes, you know what we need to say. Help us, Maduro. (laughs) Thank you, Harvey. I'm sure Maduro will gladly help us. Thank you, Harvey, and thanks to all the new subscribers. That's patreon.com slash District Sentinel. We got some more haiku to read for some new subscribers on tomorrow's show. That's when we'll be back. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.